Welcome to opening me. This is Saratova Beth. This is the Parsha, a crucial Parsha that um, everything's converging in this. Balaiskas illuminating the world. Essentially, when we're walking around in the world, if we don't experience light, it's not good. <laughs> okay. Number one, one of the things we want is we want to experience light. We don't want to, I mean, it's a pretty dark time in history. So if it's only dark, you know, <laughs> we don't want it. But the fact is it's dark and light at the same time. So there are two things then that are needed. One is the ability to see the dark, the, the light in the darkness, or the light that, the, the light that is the darkness. We need to see it because otherwise it's, too difficult and is not true and the other thing is we want to be those who spread the light so it must be that when Hashem created these last seconds of Gullus that by definition would be sort of dark he also created an intense light within in them that's the whole that's the whole Indian of Hasidus that the reason that Tyra, that the oil of Tyra was pulled out and brought to the surface that the essence of everything, the essence of truth, and the essence of who you are, and the essence of Hashem, etc. The reason that was all pulled from deep inside to out to the surface at the last seconds is for two reasons. Because number one, the the darkness is increasing, so you need to pull out the big guns to get through it. And number two, what's really happening, as you see the darkness increasing, it's really light increasing. So, bottom line, to say it simply, we need to be able to experience the light and send out that light. Okay, so, and then there's another point, that in this Parsha, really, there's a convergence of three Sfarim. There are two Psukim, Vayhi bin Aaron, and the next Pasha, that they actually constitute a Sefer in themselves. That's a whole other topic that we'll do in the next couple of days. But if three Sfarim are all converging in one Parsha, that must be quite a Parsha. In a sense, three, right? Three, if there's five Sfarim and five Chumashim, as opposed to there's a way to divide it, seven. If it's in seven, why do three of them converge in one Parsha? What is that Parsha all about? It's all about light, sending out light, and experiencing light. So, here's, and the Parsha happens, happens to be, funny word, happens to be our Parsha, Balaiska. This one's it. So, it's a powerful Parsha. So, here's the question. Um, should you impose light or should you invite it out? Should you, so to speak, te- I don't want to say tease it out, invite it out. You know, um, a famous example, when Esther Amalka wanted to write the Megillah, she approached the, I guess, the Chachamim and said that there should be a Megillah, there should be a story of what happened as a story of Purim. And they asked, how, how is that even allowed? You don't even see Hashem in this story at all. Hashem's name is not in here. This can't be one of the holy books. Hashem's name is not in this story. I don't know if she wrote the story and then showed it to them. I don't know how it goes. Or she suggested it. 
but they said you don't even have a see Hashem. You don't even see Hashem's name in this story. So how is that possible? Where do you see Hashem's name? Why did they ask that question? They were coming from from a more masculine point of view. The more masculine, you know, Zah, Zah and Malchus. The masculine point of view is light has to be brought in from the outside, superimposed. And then there's the feminine way, which is inviting out the light. So, when Esther went to the Chachamim, they said, and we don't see Hashem's name in here, so why? Why? How are you writing a Megillah? Where is Hashem's name? And then Esther, as the representing the feminine influence, she asked, where do you not see Hashem's name here? Because essentially, she was talking about inviting out the light with, which is within everything. Not superimposing it from above, that's the masculine way, but inviting it out from its potential, that's the feminine way. So, as we go into Yemaisa Mashiach, the shift goes from superimposing light on an unholy situation, or even a pirate situation. You come in and you shine light into that situation. That's one way. The other way is, you invite the inner light that's in that situation that no one ever saw before, and you invite it out. Okay, so let's just do a little nakuda from the from the parsha. So Rashi says famous famous nakuda. If balayska is all about lighting the light. The word Baalaisa means when you go up to the light. It doesn't say when you kindle the light. Why does it say when you go up? One thing Rashi says, there was a step. You had to walk up to get to the Menorah. <clears throat> Other thing is, call it Bahad Lakaskha, it's a Neiris. When you light the, the Neiris. Nope. Baalaisa. What does Chumash call it? What does Hashem call it? When you go up to the light. Why? What's your going? What are you going up to? Well, there's a way. The step is saying, in order to extract the light, there's a way to do it. And what is that way to do it? Until the flame goes up by itself. What does that mean? <clears throat> Sorry. And this is really, it's not just the Menaira. Well, first we'll discuss it with the Menaira. And then we'll discuss it with our, about ourselves. You can walk up to a Menaira. You hold a flame to it. Let's say you lit a match. And let's say you came with a candle. And you, you have the match or the candle. And you're holding the flame to the Menaira. And you're going to light those lamps of the Menaira. So you do it really fast. You put down the match. And you walk away. Later on. Somebody asks you, hey, how come you didn't light the menorah? You say, I did. It doesn't look lit to me. And you go back and you realize that, oh, must have gone out. Did the wind blow it out? No. There was no wind. It was a closed room, no windows. So what made it go out? Well, what did make it go out? Maybe it never went on. 
Maybe you lit it too fast. Maybe you, because you just, you put the fire to it, and you sort of saw it look like it was catching on, and so that's it. You put down the match and you walked away. You didn't stay around to see if the flame caught fully, because, if the flame caught fully, because remember, what's this, what's this, what's this, what are you lighting in the Manira? <clears throat> you have a cup, you have oil in it, and you have a wick. And then you're going to put fire to it, or else you have a candle, which is basically a cup with oil, solidified, and then there's a wick. If you just lift the wick, the wick actually will burn. But it's not going to burn for more than five seconds. Oh, you can just take a bunch of wicks, put a match to them. They will all burn, but they'll go out in a minute. So you need the, the oil. Now, you also could just have the oil without the wick, but um, not sure. It's not going to burn in a direct way. Um, or it'll also go out. For some reason, and there are probably deep capitalistic reasons, you need a cup of oil and a wick in it, and then the fire. And those three elements together make it work. If you bring your fire close to the wick, you need to stand there long enough to make sure that the wick caught the fire. There's a second there. You have fire, and you touch it to the wick, and you see that it's it's catching. But there's that there's that buffer moment when the question is, will the wick accept the fire, grab onto it, and hold it? It's one thing for you to kind of light the wick, but how do you get how do you get the wick to hold the fire? Hold it permanently. That's where the whole little the whole little question is, is it going to catch and is it not? You know, you ever try to do a bonfire and, you know, you're with the newspapers and fanning and all that stuff. First it seems like it's going and then it fizzles out. You want it to catch it. Basically, what you're saying is that wick has to catch that fire and make it its own. And now there's a whole new fire. That wick and that oil, that becomes their fire. It's no longer the match's fire. It's our fire. The match had its own fire. The match is gone. Now it became our fire. So, what does the Parsha say? The way you have to do it, have to light the menorah, have to light the wick, is Ad shall until the flame rises up by itself. But I just said, it catches it and it makes its own, rises up by itself. And what does that mean? Rashi says, Even though lighting the menorah, lighting the candles, comes through someone else, but the mitzvah is that it has to become independent. And we're just going to sum up with this. The nekuda is, when we, we said we were going to just introduce what it means for us. This is a generation where it's so dark, and yet there's so much light inside, but we don't see the light 
but we do see the dark, but we have the ability to see the light and experience the light and all that stuff. How do you do it? There's light out there. And you do, first of all, you need to have the oil and wick in you. You need to have that wick receptive. I'm looking for light. I'm looking for light. You know, that like, you know, kind of see it just, you know, see it just going around in the wind. It's just looking for light. That wick feels silly sitting there all by itself doing nothing. It wants fire. It wants light. So that, and it has to be grounded. It's connected to a whole bunch of oil. So that's you and everybody you encounter. You need, you want light. Everybody's gasping, not just gasping for air. Everybody's gasping for light. They're like hungry for light because it's so dark. They're just, I need. So what do we need to do? We need to prepare that grounding oil, you know, take the oil in yourself and have the wick ready and be on the lookout for light. But once the light comes to us, then it has to be, and we're watching, we're seeing, how is the illumination happening? It has to make us independent. That the flame has to rise up by itself. Why? Why, why is it such a big thing? And why is it such a big thing in this generation? The flame has to rise up by itself. Everyone and everything has to be independent. No one is interested in parroting your sentences, your messages, uh, copying your life. I mean, maybe they are, but don't plagiarism. Everybody on some level wants to shine their own light. Why? In other generations, the focus was on they tell you what to think, and you think it. They tell you what to say, and you say it. I think. I mean, it wasn't around in other generations. But even when we grew up, you know, there are the experts. They know. And then there are the simple people. They don't know. And they're told what to say, think, hear, etc. In this generation, you cannot tell anybody anything. Everybody wants their own independent life. Is that ridiculous? No. Is that unholy? No. Where is it coming from? Are they just egotistical? Clifted it? No. Then what? What it is, is the energy has changed in this generation. Baha'u'llah, it was always one of the Parshias, but Baha'u'llah steps into the battlefield as a uh, major uh, I'm trying to think, Zegweiser, as a major uh, director of the generation, Balaiska is saying, this is the way we need to do it. You know, I think tonight there's, Chase Taub is going to be speaking about education in this generation, and he's probably going to speak about this, and it is Parsons Balaiska. He's no doubt going to speak about this that you need to create independence. You need to make sure that when you illuminate someone, something, do it well enough so that the fire catches on to them and they now have their own independent light and they are going to shine their independent light. And that's the, that is the incredible kayak of this generation, that everybody wants to shine their own light 
And not only that, their own light is so powerful. Our job is to make sure that wherever we go, we illuminate that person or we assist that person in moving up, but in a way that it catches on for them and their flame goes up by itself and their light rises up by itself. So we'll end off with this bracha that each of us should become that lamplighter that illuminates every everyone and everything we come into contact with um, in a way that we make everything independently luminous. Uh, that's number one. And number two, that when it says, open your eyes to see Mashiach, our eyes should really open to see the incredible light and potential in everyone and everything and uh, every situation. We say in Tushin Pei Beis, Plaus Fakol, the year of Plaus Fakol, we bench each other to be able to open our eyes to see that there's a Pella, there's a, a wonder embedded in every single moment, in every single situation, and seeing that Pella to illuminate it, illuminate the world from that Pella. And from there, go to the Gula Mitzvah um, We're going. We'll continue with the Sikha Mitzvah tomorrow on other whole lot of other parts of this and and um details and stay tuned. Thanks so much.